Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to the Cow Corner Extra Show with me, the Dolly Dropper, James Hurl, Ian Slat Slater, Ian Alderson, and Ollie Griffiths. For your latest dose of all things lower league Shropshire cricket. And welcome to Cow Corner Extra from the Cow Corner Podcast. A brand new show looking at everything from Division 4 downwards in the Shropshire County Cricket League. So, with the new show comes new hosts. So, without further ado, let's get to know them a little bit better. Starting off with our first host, Ian Slater of Willy Wanderers Cricket Club. Hi everyone, yeah, everybody knows me as Slats or Slatsy, or actually a few other names I probably can't mention on here to be fair. Um, I've been playing cricket in the Shropshire Cricket League on and off for about, gee whiz, 40 years now. And first I started off with Harcourt as a kid and then onwards, and then moved to Willie the turn of the century, um, and managed to break my leg in the first season in two places, which was kind of fun. Um, but I now captain their second team, and I'm vice chairman. And for my sins, I also sit on the Shropshire League Committee looking after the uh, KOs this year. <laughs> Welcome, Ian. And yeah, really looking for all slats. I will just call you slats for the sake of this podcast, That's because yeah. as, you, as you will realise later, guys, it could get a little bit complicated. So next up, Oliver Griffiths of Calverhall Cricket Club. Hi, Ollie. Hi, guys. I have been a member of Calverhall Cricket Club since... 2004 when I played my first competitive cricket game um, against the one and only Grasshoppers Cricket Club. Uh, there's a few names in there that uh, that we would all recognise um, <laughs> that have gone on to bigger and better things and big moves and uh, sort of thing. Um, started off with a bang and scored 56 I think and it went downhill massively ever since. Um, so it, we Cowboy entered a second team for the first time in 2005, and I think we lost our first game in about half an hour. Within Cowboy, I'm also the groundsman and the chairman. 
it's a small club, so you would tend to get lots of jobs. Uh, I'm also a member of the Shropshire County Cricket League Committee, for my sins, as Ian said before. I uh, I sit on the Rules Committee, um, and obviously just the, the larger main committee. Not a, a glutton for punishment, I'm also on the Shrewsbury and District Evening League, um, <laughs> So um, there's only there's only a very small number of us on that on that committee. So we are always looking for for new uh, conscripts. I mean volunteers. Um, <laughs> but uh, obviously last year wasn't a great year for the, the Shrewsbury and District Evening League because of the the COVID pandemic. There was no games. Yeah. So that's that's me really. Um, claim to fame. I think I was one of the first or the very early uh, interview interviewees on Cow Corner podcast when it first got you were going. Indeed. You were indeed. Yeah. I was going to mention this. This is your actually second time on the podcast. It is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a uh, was a chance meeting, wasn't it? When you uh, came yes. in out of the blue, ended up playing for, for us in a in a friendly match against um, Church Aston. Yeah, good fun as well. Good day. Yeah, it was a good good day. Yeah. So. <laughs> a lot of things that are, are very similar there. Like with my career, is started off well and then things rapidly went downhill. The di- one difference is that you're the, obviously the groundsman. I accidentally cut the wrong strip once, and they've never let me near the mower ever again. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I mean, apart from that, we're pretty much. <laughs> anyway, welcome, Ollie. Uh, really looking forward to having your input on. Obviously, like you said, this is not your first rodeo. And uh, yeah, really looking forward to getting your input. And finally, we have a novelist on the podcast. Uh, well, can we call him novelist or just or published author? Well, I, don't, I don't know how, how far we go with this one. Um, yeah, so I think you better introduce yourself. It's the one and only Ian Alderson of Corvedale Cricket Club. Thank you very much indeed, James. Good evening, guys. Um, I'm looking forward to being involved on the, the Cow Corner franchise. Um, a little <laughs> bit about myself. Um, I am, uh, I'm a one-club man. I only ever played for Corvedale. Started in about 1990. And the first 20 years, I was only ever involved in the Sunday friendly team until Corvedale put two league teams in, uh, which I started playing for. I uh, became second team captain. And um, actually, I'm now the first team captain. Well, we've only got one team now, so I'm down to the first team captain. And uh, as James has mentioned, I did write a book about my uh, exploits as second team captain. Uh, Other cricket books are available, but uh, (laughs) none of them will have titles of chapters like Fortin, Brosley, Acton Reynolds, Much Wenlock. (laughs) And, uh, and Beacon. So, uh, you know, uh, if you want a copy, you'll have to message the podcast. But uh, I'm really looking forward to being involved. And thank you very much for asking me. Hey, no worries. And I'm looking forward to that book being mentioned on every podcast we do from now until the very end. It's going to be like Harrison's ton, isn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you find something, you got to stick to it. <laughs> anyway, yes, <yeah>, so... <laughs> So welcome, guys. I'm really excited to get this moving forward. Now, obviously, as someone like yourselves who plays in the lower divisions, it's always been something that I've wanted to do. And we get no end of messages from people who also like us play. Well, I wouldn't, it's a bit harsh to call them lower divisions, really. It's different. The, the different divisions, I'd say. Um, we get a lot of people who play in Division 4, 5, 6, 7, uh, used to be 8, from various teams who would get in contact with us and want a bit more content about themselves and a bit of light shone on them so here we are and this is this is your platform and hopefully throughout the podcast and throughout the different episodes we will be running it throughout the season in line with all the other podcasts that we do hopefully we'll get a chance to kind of shine a light on the teams who are performing well the players who are going well and also 
really get in depth into Division 4, 5, 6 and the new bigger Division 7, but more on that later. So, anyway, on a general note, guys, how have we been wintering? How, how are we feeling? I mean, for me, Slats, no winter cricket, no indoor cricket. How have you been coping? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be very interesting at the start of this uh, coming season where a lot of people won't have been able to, A, play indoor cricket, but also, B, to net through the winter. Uh, you know, until we get some sort of uh, warmer weather and get out there and net outside. So, yeah, there's two things, really. One, I, I captain our indoor team, but I try and pick six people who can play so I don't have to. And, and so, so all I go along is for just to stand around and do the beer and what have you. That's fine. Um, but also, I think it's... Work on, yeah, your, strength, it's, work on your strengths. Absolutely, <laughs> mate. Absolutely. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's a real shame, to be honest with you, that we haven't been able to play any indoor cricket because it does keep people keep people's eyes in over the winter. Um, so, yeah, the back end of that is, obviously, there's a bit of timber on a few people that they wouldn't normally have, I suspect. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of Stravas are going to be going up in the, in the coming months, I suspect. But, uh, Ollie, obviously, as you've mentioned before, groundsman at Calverhall. Does, does the work of a groundsman ever stop? Um, maybe as a professional groundsman, it doesn't stop. Um, unfortunately, we're not in the position of having a ground that, that is particularly well-draining. So... so I could go on the ground, but I'd probably sink and, and disappear <laughs> into the mud. Um, it's pretty it's pretty wet in places, I'll be honest with you. So just, yeah, over the winter, just keep keep an eye on it. Make sure there's uh, nothing going on that shouldn't be going on and people aren't leaving dog muck everywhere, which happens. And I'm sure we're not the only club that has a problem with dog muck. But um, <laughs> beyond that, it's, you know, trying to uh, get on with life, really, during these mm. difficult times and... Mm. and uh, yeah, it's just it's just been difficult trying to keep in touch with some of the the guys at the club as much as possible. But it does seem to be that everyone just disappears off into their mm. own little worlds during the winter. Mm. And we normally meet up again come the start of February when we start preseason nets. Um, yeah. But obviously this year that's that's not the not the case. Uh, mm. So we we'll just have to wait <laughs> wait and see who turns <laughs> up at the start of the season. I think. Uh, obviously, we we've had we've had quite a good winter at Corvdale because. Um, we sort of upgraded the WhatsApp group and, uh, you know, we've had quite a bit of good banter on that throughout the winter. Uh, the Zoom AGM, of course, as everybody's been doing, and, and that was very well supported. And, uh, you know, we never really do a lot of winter nets and training and things until sort of the spring. We're quite a rural club, so, you know, a lot of us are busy farming, lambing. Um, you know, it, it's a busy time of year for us. And uh, so we we're probably a month behind Ollie. We we would meet the beginning of March, and uh, and and then have our nets. But uh, yeah, it's 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 been quite a good winter. The other good thing for Corvdale is that Steve Reese um, helped us, and we have got a tremendous grant. You know, we're not a very big club, and um, it's that is going to help us tremendously getting the mm. ground back ready because we didn't play any cricket at all last year mm. um we have got to do a fair bit of uh, work on the ground this this coming spring mm. and um, with steve's up we have got a sizable grant which is going to help us do that so although we've been locked down corvdale have had a very positive winter mm. you're, gonna put, you're gonna put another shower in eh? uh no i no, we're not going to bother with that it's it's uh, overrated washing <laughs> <laughs> showering the old can uh, you got it. Guttering for. 
outside Trafford do. <laughs> Fantastic. It's amazing. So, yeah, obviously, Ian mentioned something that probably we're going to bring up in the next section. So, I know what you're all dying to find out. So, here's what's coming up on the first ever episode of the Cow Corner Extra. On episode one of the Cow Corner Extra show, we break down the latest league news, including the latest structural changes in the league, as well as looking forward to the 2021 season. We look back at the 2020 and 2019 seasons from the perspective of the lower division sides. Pearl's hierarchy. We pick the top sides from divisions four to seven. List of questions. We answer your questions that you've sent for our new hosts. All this and much, much more on another bumper episode of the Cow Corner Podcast. So what better place to start than with a little bit of league news? Now, I know that some of this will have been covered in the other podcast, but I think it's really good that we can get your guys' takes on these situations. Plus, we can also look at these issues in depth in regards to the structure of the lower divisions moving into 2021. We can also gauge how kind of 2020's gone, how it went for your teams and how you think it really affected the teams in the lower divisions and also just general thoughts that we may not have brought up elsewhere. So we'll start off at the very beginning. And the most recent piece of news really is that the league have recently announced the structure for 2021. Team entries obviously had to be in by the 15th of January. And yeah, they've recently been announced. So guys, well, I'll start with Ian first as the non-committee person among us. So Ian, your initial thoughts about the league structure? Well, we are in. We were going to be in Division Seven. We were relegated from six last year, um, and I quite. It was. It looked quite obvious that seven and eight were going to be merged, and I quite like the fact that they've regionalised it for the extra games to play more local teams twice. I think that's quite a good way out because these big leagues aren't ideal, mm. um, you know. And it it is. Who do you play twice? So I think to have the localised bit is is a very good, I think that's the best outcome that the league could have come up with really, the way they've done it. Mm. Yeah, great. So going on to this, so we'll, we'll start with this topic really. So, I mean, one of the main talking points going into the structure meeting is obviously what you're going to do with Division 7 and 8. Obviously, unfortunately, we've had to lose a few clubs, which we'll kind of go into a bit more depth in a second, but uh, quite a few of those from Division 8. So I think the option was, do they do two smaller leagues? Do they merge it into one? Do they bump teams up? What What's everyone's thoughts? Ian, we'll, well, Slats even, we'll start with you on this part. Uh, listen, I think, to be honest with you, after not having a, a full programme last year, it was very difficult to how they were going to make any major changes to the divisions but i also think that it's, it's a bit of a shame that we're still sort of got two divisions that aren't full divisions so divisions five and division six are 11 teams i think it would be nice if we could have brought those back up to 12 team divisions i know that's mm. very difficult and you know um i don't envy the structure committee's job because it is always difficult because there's so many outside factors but if that could happen that would have probably cheered me up a little bit more and then you'd have probably had a smaller division for Division 7 and 8, the merger. I think be, is it 16 teams now? Yes. Yeah. So 14 teams, potentially, which would have been mm. a bit more like a normal division. I played a few years ago in that division when it was sort of um, 
was always known as the rump division and basically it was sort of 18, 19 teams and you didn't play everybody twice mm. and you could end up playing some of the tougher teams twice or some of the easier teams twice and it sort of, you know, that could that could decide your fate if it were, as, as it were in terms of relegation, not relegation, but promotion certainly. So, you know, it was kind of, I guess regionalising is pro- probably the right thing to do this time round but you sort of hope that we're going to get some of those teams back that um, mm. have disappeared this year, back next year, once things hopefully get back to normal a little bit. Mm. Ollie? Um, <clears throat> much like Slats, really. Um, I know it was a very difficult, it's obviously a very difficult job for the structure committee to decide, you know, where people are going to go. And I, I can see the reasons why they didn't change Divisions 5 and Division 6 to 12 teams and left them at 11. It obviously works better in terms of the regionalisation. Uh, it's four four groups of four for the regionalisation in Division mm-hmm. Seven, um, and equally, you know, how how do you decide who who should be promoted? Um, I know some people will have opinions that the league are very happy to to make those decisions, and mm-hmm. in terms of what's gone on previously, but it is very difficult. I think it works really well on the on the on the regionalisation front for Division Seven. And it gives them scope for for going into following seasons to to correct those divisions five and mm. six, which I think I should think they probably will, they probably will. I mean, I ha- I personally just like like slats have no no input, um, particularly in terms of the structure committee. Um, but you know, it, it's a difficult job, and you know, I, I, yeah. I don't envy them at all. No. Never fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, some some of you brought up there, obviously moving teams up. I think. Like we've mentioned with Slats's idea, you know, it's is it bringing pressure on themselves that they may not necessarily need? Like what you said, Ollie, in the next few seasons, say we get the a couple of these teams back, you know, it's just a case of you just promote an extra one based on league position this year, and then that's a bit easier for everyone in in yeah. general. Promote an extra one, or don't or don't don't relegate two. You know, it, it, there's there's multiple options, and it all depends on how those divisions sort of scan out throughout throughout the season. Um, yeah, I think do do we do we think in general kind of pe- I mean in the lower divisions anyway. Do you think that people's um, general outlook on how it's been structured is slightly changed based on what's happened last season? Given that we've had regionalisation, so people are more just happy to have a league in that respect. And the regionalisation of Division Seven has been taken on a lot easier than it, it may have done without uh, last season, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think possibly. I mean, I think people last year were just happy to play some cricket. I know I was. Um, yeah. You know, I, I genuinely thought at one point that we, were, you know, we weren't going to get any cricket, and um, we were going to we we squandered the nicest spring that we'd ever known, um, <laughs> yeah. and uh, we were we were going to go through the season with the most glorious weather. It didn't obviously mm. pan out that way, but we were very lucky with the weather, mm. um, and not get any cricket. So I think people in in the lower divisions. They're just happy to get out on the pitch and, mm. and play a bit of cricket. Yes, we all like to win. Yes, mm. you know it's it's lovely to go out and score fifties. I, I wouldn't know, but um, you know, <laughs> score the runs, I. take the wickets, <laughs> and uh, and just play a bit of cricket. You know, it, I, I I remember the feeling going out halfway through last season, our first game, uh, with Church at home, and it was just so nice to be back on the cricket pitch after such a long time. Yeah. Completely agree. I'd be interested to get your take, Ian. Obviously, thoughts on Division 7 not be. Do you think that most teams in that division will be happy with how it's been structured? Do you think there's a different mentality from 
possibly a third 11s and you know your beacon third 11s to and also got third 11s towards it then the hinstock key side teams like that who've got like teams who don't have premiership sides if that makes sense yeah yeah well there's bound to be a bit because it doesn't matter whether we're in a merge league or not those teams that are the third and fourth teams always are so dependent on what's going on higher up within their own clubs mm. um i think the other thing which is very good for this league uh, is that although it's a bigger league, it's only 18 games. Mm. And if there is a delayed start in division seven, we can afford to lose a month mm. and still get a full season in. It just could be shunted back a little. So, you know, I think that's quite a good thing as well because everything is up in the air with the virus at the moment. I know one of the main questions off the questionnaire that the league sent out was obviously how many games that certain teams and they were trying to get an idea of what teams at what levels how many games they'd like to play in a season do you think that it is something in division seven given what happened in 2019 where they had the reduced leagues is that is that a preferred format like playing slightly less games than everyone else but still having that opportunity to if things get rained off be able to put games in towards the end of the season i think that's one thing and the other thing i think in 2019 when we were in division six there were a lot of teams we played who weren't getting 11 players. Mm. You know, there were a tremendous amount of games where, you know, there weren't 11 players on at least one of the teams. And I think, you know, the fact that trying to have less games as perhaps that is one, one way around to them, you know, making it a bit less of a, you know, there's a few less games to play, so hopefully they'll get more players turning out for games. Mm. I wonder if that was why that they've they've gone to like this 18 game format. Mm. Anyone else? Anyone else want to have a say yeah, on this before? I think you know, it's as you say, it's getting 11 on the park every week can be sometimes a struggle. But um, yeah, is, is less games the answer to that, or is a shorter format the answer to that? It's difficult to say, to be honest with you. Mm. Um, you know, I, I've got my opinion on it, which is, you know, we play as many as, as much cricket as you can mm. while the sun's shining. But you know, things are changing, aren't they? So, mm. um, you know, I, I think, yeah, the the, the 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 bottom division. I hate to call it the bottom division, but that 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 bottom division, you can have teams that do struggle, and depending on the travel as well, you know, they mm. they struggle to get people to travel distances. So actually, regionalising it into four groups mm. uh, towards the back. It actually isn't a bad thing because, mm. you know, if, okay, I know Lannidloy's twos don't uh, don't play anymore, but, um, you know, they used to travel everywhere with eight players, bless them. Mm. You know, and it was, you know, and, and it's, it's a trek for mm. them to go anywhere. So, you know, they struggled, but they still turned up with eight players and, and, and still got on with it. But, you know, it's a bit soul-destroying. I know, I see Ollie shaking your head there, oh. <laughs> With regard to Lannidloys and travelling to Cal from Calverhall to Lannidloys, it's uh, a 70, 70 miles one way from Calverhall, and yeah. we used to play the first team quite a lot. And um, great, great bunch of guys. Re- really yeah. enjoyed, really enjoyed. Just didn't enjoy the the, the long, long journey. Um, <laughs> yeah, both ways. So and it, and it was always it was always the game where players, oh, I can't play this week, or I've got something on, or. Um, it, you know, you, you look at the results over the years, and Lanidloy's probably have had concessions for them um, as a greater proportion than others. You know, I, I could be wrong, but um, you do you do generally see one or two that people don't 
don't go. Look, the, the league covers a massive area, doesn't it? So you're always mm. going to have some trips. And yeah, you've got to factor in sometimes the cost of these things as well. Um, but to be honest with you, for me personally, I quite enjoy an away mm. day to, I don't know, Monty, for instance, or, um, you know, <laughs> from, from Willie up to Calverhall, for example, or something like that, because you're playing at different grounds. Uh, it, mm. it's, it's part of the appeal <laughs> in weekend cricket. It's even better when you're not driving. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You drive this one, mate. I did the last one, you know. (laughs) So uh, this is an interesting topic, actually, you know, talking about do we think the lower you go down, the less game, you know, I've always been a advocate of the more games you play, the more people get into a habit, the more people kind of like, yeah, I want to play that. But there there is a point where there are, I don't know, I'm going to sound really old when I say the younger generation, you know, the, <laughs> the younger generation are, you know, when they pick and choosing games that they play in. And obviously the lower down the league you go, it that, you know, the mix, I, I would assume the mix of players is going to be young and old, really, I, I would say, I possibly, I don't know. Yes, I would say, yes, yeah, certainly, it definitely is that way. Um, you know, when I started captaining Willie Seconds, it was, um, you know, a, a mixed team of, older players who still wanted a game of cricket and wise old heads and bringing young young lads through and young girls through to be able to play cricket and play their, you know, take their first steps into league cricket. So it's always going to be a mix. Um, mm. And I think it's getting that balance right um, that makes it work. And, you know, it's, as you said, younger generation. I can say that because I'm a lot older than you, James. Um, <laughs> but, you know, in terms Thanks. of that, yeah, do, they, do they want to you know, spend all day at, at, at cricket and, you know, and all summer doing that or other other things they want to be doing as well. And it's getting mm. that balance. Um, you know, the stalwarts actually probably want to play 22 games a season um, because they're out on a Saturday. That's their day and that's what mm. they want to do. It's, it's a difficult... Yeah, I'm, I'm personally, I'm all for playing as much cricket as possible. You know, when I started playing cricket, it started a bit late, to be honest with you, in life. Um by, by cricket standards, but I used to play Tuesday night, Thursday night, Saturday, Sunday for other clubs. Um, you know, but the younger generation, they'd rather go and you know find a job working a, working in pub kitchen, cleaning dishes, or or something. Um, you know, and, and modern life does encroach heavily on a on a Saturday, which is a long, a long, long day for for certain people. And, um, certainly when they can't get phone signal on their phones and mm. play on the games on their phones and all sorts of things, you can see how they get a bit frustrated. You know, yeah. and A lot of these rural clubs, they don't have any phone signal. Um, mm. so it, it, I'm, I'm all for, I'm, I'm personally, I'm all for playing as much cricket as possible, but I can massively see the, the reasoning behind maybe dropping to 10 team divisions and, and, and having 18 games a season, which, mm. in my opinion, you can still, if you, you know, the season starts a bit later, you could, you could, you could still get in a, a couple of good friendlies, that, that pre-season friendlies mm. that get, actually get you in a better position coming into the season, that haven't got any pressure on. So, mm. um, but it, and, you know, if if there's a particular weekend in the year where we historically know people are a lot more um, difficult, you know, teams find it a lot more difficult to. We could have a break that weekend, or people know that there's a week coming up in the season that they that they're mm. not going to play cricket, and they can arrange stuff for that weekend. So I, I see both sides of it. Mm-hmm. 
first week first weekend of the school summer holidays for example or bank holiday weekend august bank holiday weekend yeah. to be a struggle bank yeah, holidays never now <laughs> i know i know especially especially playing for a team full of uh, farmers it's there are certain times of the year where they're you know the teams are decimated which is great for my cricketing career because then you move up the teams <laughs> uh, but i mean it's the only chance i mean and then you know, that, burgle Runs yeah. in, the, in the first team. <laughs> yeah, somehow. <laughs> All thick edges, kind of don't see half of them, you know. But, yeah, I mean, you've also got the fact that school holidays, and you know, the bank holidays, always a classic scrapping around for players because people are off on holiday and things like that. Another thing that Ollie brought up, which is quite interesting, is obviously... I want this to be quite quick, but because it, it'll open another can of worms that we can bring up on another <laughs> podcast, is obviously the amount of overs that are going to be played this season. Looking <laughs> towards the lower leagues, I mean, obviously fifty being in the prem, forty-five being in the top few, and then forty for everyone else. I think it's ideal. I think forty's great for, for someone who wants to go and play a full day of cricket. That's great, but obviously something that we've mentioned is obviously that. Th- the attention span of of juniors but the thing is thinking back from myself it's i don't think it's necessarily a a thing that's changed in, in in a long time i think it's just generally how involved you get the kids in the game and also social element around it i think you know i i definitely grew up in a time where you <laughs> you're the youngest in the team you do the fine leg to fine leg and you do a few overs when when's needed and if you're lucky enough, you'll bat as high as you can in the bottom four. Unless like some super talent batsman, in which case they'll give you a go one week and then you find yourself back with everyone else the following weeks. But I think mentality is changing a little bit now and kind of kids are getting given the game. And I think, I think there's a little element to that as well. What I mean, quick, we'll, we'll say about overs, but yeah, what's everyone's thoughts on that just generally? And we'll start with Ian. I think 40 overs is perfect. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I started at a time when we used to play 50 overs a side and start at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. So, you know, you'd be playing in the dark. Um, <laughs> 40 overs is perfect. Certainly for the divisions that I've played in recently, 40 overs is fine. If it's a beautiful day, get 45 on. But, you know, have the option. I think that's the, that's the key. And use your common sense. Yeah, completely agree. 40 overs um, is, is ideal. I would say over the last... Um, three or four seasons, we've probably played 40 overs 90% of the time. Um, albeit, the, the, in, in our division, 45 has been the sort of the, the figure that the league have said you should, you know, if you don't agree, 45 is, is, the, yeah. is the thing. And, and you, you always go back into the changing room when the opposing captain has insisted on 45 overs and you say, 45 today, lads, and they're like, heads go down. Oh. <laughs> it's that last 10 overs in the field that really, mm. really drag. <laughs> drag it out, doesn't it? Especially yeah, if you're losing. Yeah. <laughs> and, and maybe yeah. division division three up should be forty five, and yeah, division four down should be forty. I don't know. Totally agree. And I think I think I think they had it right last season where there's special circumstances. You can, as long as both captains agree, you can have. Third. I think I played one last season where we had. I think it was against Bowman. We played final game of the season, so we were just on like thirty overs each because it was Baltic as well. And yeah. to be honest, it didn't make much of a difference in the game. They <laughs> they they bowled us out, and we got <laughs> and they knocked them off pretty quick. So yeah, uh, um, it wouldn't have mattered whether we'd have played forty or not. But um, yes, finally, kind of on this little segment. Well, not really on this segment. Uh, this kind of question: do you, What are the chances that we've spoken about? Obviously, Division Seven being regionalised. What what do we think of the chances of 
us seeing regionalisation this season. Boris Johnson's come out today. So for those of you who know what today is, today is the 5th of February. Um, so you'll definitely know how long this has taken me to edit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so on the 5th, and saying that he thinks that every every uh, vulnerable and over 60, I think, uh, will over be vaccinated. Yeah, over, will be vaccinated over 50 possibly will be vaccinated by the May the 5th and that his plan is to get everything that's outdoor recreation out first, which to the cricketer is great news by the sounds of it because that kind of means that we'll be starting pretty much on time. And I know something that was brought up by Ollie earlier that we had the best start to the season weather-wise ever and everyone was sat in their back gardens going, God damn it, I wish we were out there. <laughs> um, but generally, what are, what do you think the chances are? Just I'll take a percentage. What do you think are the chances of uh, us being regionalised this season? I will start with Ian as obviously we're not the, the non-committee member. <laughs> There's a theme here, isn't there, Ian? <laughs> there is, yeah, there is. I, I would, I would say that we we aren't going to be regionalised this year. Mm. That'd be my gut feeling. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I don't, I don't think we'll be regionalised this year. Just going by the fact that they've gone ahead and and uh, released the structure, you know, with the divisions as as they would normally be, um, you know, as, as per 2019. Um, I think that. With the hope that the vaccine is going to work and the you know the the virus is going to slowly, hopefully, touch wood, disappear um, over over time, that that we'll um, we might miss a few games at the start of the season, but you know we should get hopefully get normal season and, and as much as possible. Go ahead. And final words on this one, Slats. Yeah, I totally agree. I think regionalisation is for special circumstances, mm. uh, which was last year. Um, extended division, that sort of thing. Mm. But yeah, I can't see it happening in the in the near future. If I'm honest, it just you know, for for me anyway, I would say it's probably ninety nine point nine percent not going to happen. So talking of twenty twenty, I mean, we've talked about how twenty twenty has affected, especially teams in the Premier League and Division One and so on, but. How how has twenty twenty affected your club? I know Ian's brought up already what's happened in the postseason in regards to grants and help that the cricket boards give Shropshire cricket boards given in regards to those. But just generally, kind of how how was twenty twenty and how did it go for you? And we'll start with Ollie on this one. Twenty um, twenty was obviously a difficult a difficult year. Um, to be honest, we started off the season wondering how we were going to put a team out. I mean, 2019, I think we played more games with 10 than we did with 11. Mm. But actually, as it turned out, through mates of mates and um, that sort of thing, we ended up, we, we think we had four ex, four new members join the club, um, playing members, a couple from from the demise of local clubs, unfortunately. But yeah, it was, it was as, as the season went, it was very much a, We'll do the best we can on the field, but off the field, it was a bit more, bit more productive, really. And I think, as a, as a, as a small club, we we can just shut down um, and stop. But it's the it's the playing members that we struggle with massively. I think as soon as we're allowed to do stuff as normal, we'll, we'll, the club will just pick back up again, as long as we still got the players and the mm. people. Well, you don't generally get many people doing stuff. It's usually the the, the hardcore few, and I'm sure that's the same at every single club. Um, <laughs> Slats is laughing because he knows it's true. <laughs> yeah. few, for the, few for the many, mate. Few for the many. Yeah. So yeah, I think 
I think it, it, it's been tough, but I think we, should, you know, hopefully we'll be okay going forward and looking on to brighter and things. And then hopefully with, with cricket being on TV more to, mm. you know, going forward, but hopefully that cricket will have the the sort of people will get more into it as, as they did in 2005. Yeah. I mean, there was there was that big... It was a bit of a weird year, wasn't it? Because we had that big buzz of England winning the World Cup. We had... Obviously, the 100 was planned to try and be on terrestrial TV to try and get everyone involved. And then all of a sudden, it, it didn't really happen. But obviously, like you said, it'd be really interesting to see how many people actually got involved with cricket because they are just sat around doing nothing and kind of thought, I need to get myself a hobby and got involved with cricket. Ian, you're someone who... You know, as a cricket captain, and Corvdale, like you've mentioned, are a one-team club. How was 2020, and what were the main challenges for for your side, and and what do you think there were for other sides who are in your kind of boat? Well, we in 2020, I didn't feel that I had enough um, players who were actually wanting to play, and we didn't take part in the league's regional regionalisation. But what we did do was we played a lot of friendly games on a Sunday mm. against, you know, local teams that, um, you know, we've always played a bit against. And, and we played eight or nine games just against uh, the local sides. And in fact, it's that probably helped the club because a lot of people came back to play cricket um, who hadn't played for a little while. And they enjoyed the more relaxed atmosphere. And, um, you know, I think by the, f- the first game, I struggled to get 11. I did get 11. But by the end of the season, I had people ringing me saying, oh, you know, we called down and saw you playing at, at, against Burton. You know, you look like you're having a great time. Uh, when's the next match? Can I have a game? So, you know, there was that knock-on effect. And although we didn't take part in the league structure, I don't think that 2020 did Corvdale a lot of harm. Yeah, I think it was, it was slightly different at Barrow um, in that we obviously polled the players to see who would be a, who would be keen to play um, in the division for 2020. And um, we came back with 19 players, so we had to very, very quickly make the decision that we couldn't put two teams out and we would have to amalgamate the team. So then it was a bit of sort of uh, shuffling to make sure you sort of gave people enough cricket as, as you could. But rotated people, so make sure everybody got some cricket. Luckily, we play a lot of Sunday friendlies as well, so we were able to, you know, if you didn't play on a Saturday, you got a game on a Sunday sort of thing. So um, that worked quite well. I think in terms of a, a sort of a, an off-the-field uh, funding side of things, we were very lucky, actually. Um, we've got a very good group of players that all paid their subs, even though some of them wouldn't play any cricket. Um, and also, you know, our vice presidents and everything else, we made sure we were sending newsletters out to those guys uh, and, and ladies to make sure, and, you know, and they donated as well. So, you know, that, that really worked for us. Plus, there were plenty of grants available. So we actually find ourselves in probably a better position now financially as a club than we were beforehand. So it means that we can do things to the pavilion, we can do things to the ground that perhaps we probably couldn't have done. Mm. So it's all sounding very positive from something that possibly at the start of the year was looking like something that many people were thinking that could end some clubs. And I think a lot of that has got to be down to the hard work done by the Shropshire Cricket Board and also the people who do the hard work in the various clubs in getting applications out to 
Sport England, Cricket Wales, for example, the Powys Council for people who are across the border, like Alberbury, who have been really helpful, I think. Whilst we're here, we've got to obviously mention that it hasn't been as successful for every club. And unfortunately, we have lost a few sides this season, starting with Brosley's second eleven. Uh, much Wenlock's second eleven and Iskoyden Fens Bank second eleven, who they would have all been playing in Division Eight. Then you've got Ellesmere third eleven, who would have been in Sunday Division Two. But uh, the big one, I think, uh, the headline team who we've lost this year, and again, hope like we've said before, hopefully we see them again next season, is Acton Reynolds second eleven. And uh, just thoughts on that? I know Slats that you're very close friends uh, with uh, a lot of people at Acton Reynolds. Yeah, I grew up in that part of the world. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, their, their captain, Graham Hughes, is probably the least offense, offensive Australian I know. And I only know him. So, what you will. But, you know, I mean, my concern there, and hopefully it's just a one-year hiatus and it's, it's going to be, you know, they'll be back getting out um, 11 again for their second team is that what happens to those guys who want to play cricket but mm. don't necessarily get, aren't necessarily going to get in the first team which play in Division 4 and it's quite a jump um, where are they going to get their cricket? Now it just depends on whether you can do something like as we talked about many a time short term transfers so I can think of a local club to that who actually struggle to get 11 out every week at Harcourt there's not a million miles away that actually might benefit from this. Uh, you know, might pick up players, even if it's on a short-term transfer, so that the parent club, Reynold, don't lose the player altogether. But it helps Harcourt out for this season, possibly. Who knows? Um, you know, it's something that probably needs to be done and needs to be looked at. But, yeah, it's, um, it's a real shame because sometimes you lose people and they just disappear from cricket altogether. Mm. And it's, you know, you don't want that. I don't want to see that happen. Ollie? Um just drawing on from my own experience, really, of, of Cowville, when we lost our second team, I think, 2015-ish, we, 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 we unfortunately lost that team mid-season, um, and we went from struggling to fill a second to struggling to fill a first within one season. Um, can't explain where the people went and the, the reasons behind it, and, you know, it, it is tough, and I just hope that, that Acton Reynolds don't don't have the same problem because they are a great bunch of guys. You know, I've played against Acton Reynolds on and off for the whole time I've played cricket for Galvahall. Um, we've pretty much been in in the same division, whether that you know, whether, or you know, a division apart um, for a season or two, or for, for the pretty much the whole time. Um, yes, it, you know that. They have struggled over the last couple of years in putting 11 players out in both teams and there have been occasions where we played Acton Reynolds and they've had 10 in the first team and 10 in the seconds or 9 in the seconds. So I can see that they've they've obviously had some difficulties over the, over the, over the last few years, but it's the same for all rural clubs that, that you know, there isn't re- they're not really in, a, in much of a village. Um, it's quite, there's a few houses by the ground for them, um, I mean, they're not too far from from Shrewsbury, and they might do manage to drag a few players out there, um, and have done in the past. Andy Harrison's and and, and the like. Um, <laughs> has he played at Acton Reynolds? I'm not sure if he yeah, mentioned it. Yeah, he mentioned it. 
but yeah, I, and I, I, you know, I just hope, I hope it is like like Slat says. I hope it's just for just for a season to sort of rebuild and just see where they are and assess the situation and and um, come back stronger um, for twenty twenty two. And finally, Ian. Um, well, uh, like everybody else, I'm very sad to see him go. Graham is a great chap, and he's worked very hard to keep that second team going. I think with us at Corvdale, um, when we lost our second team, we probably kept it going for a couple of years too long, didn't want to lose it. And I think, you know, I don't know what's going on at, at Reynolds at all, but, you know, you would hope that they've made the decision thinking, you know, instead of us not competing, putting nine players out every week, you know, they've realised and perhaps they thought, well, let's have a year off. That's what I'm hoping and, you know, sort of reassess everything, you know, because we definitely kept our second team going definitely 12 months too long and maybe two years. Mm. I mean, as, uh, as someone, I come from a team that have three sides and I can think of how it would work if we lost a side because you'd have players desperate to play. And even when the, like there were games last season, when there were moments last season when the seconds and will be this season when the seconds don't have a game and it's only the first team. And it's kind of like, you're kind of kicking your heels and that's just one week. So yeah, hopefully these teams do come back and uh, we don't lose them for too long because I, I, I definitely think if you can put two sides out, it definitely does help. And I think obviously if you have one team, it's that thing of, well, I, I'm not 100% sure, so I'll kind of go to your experience, guys. But if you've got a team and you've got 13, 14 keen players every week, it, you, you're going to have to kind of rotate which one will kind of dis- possibly, unless those players that you're rotating are of a similar standard, may kind of affect your team. But also, how do you keep those players who are constantly getting rotated interested and things like that yeah so it's also the fear of losing those players because then you'll suddenly need them one or two weeks when mm. yeah when you know suddenly it's harvest and you, you haven't got the farmers in and what have you you know it's uh we certainly used to find that at harcourt but mm. what i would say is probably a bit of good news for reynolds is that um the village not too far away from them is having a lot of houses built there hadnall mm. you know there's a massive uh, conurbation going up there in that village so I would say there's probably an opportunity there for them to recruit people from there, mm. lads and dads, that sort of thing, to try and get mm. something going again. Yeah, definitely. I think also another thing um, is like there is a friendly Sunday group of like teams who play each other, like gra- obviously grasshoppers, and but there's other teams who are a bit more <laughs> like a bit less grasshoppery. Um, like Acton <laughs> Scott, for example. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Acts and Scott and things like that. And maybe you could, <clears throat> that's maybe a way that you could crowbar getting people involved, you know, but do people just want to play a Saturday? I know this is something that we spoke about before when we first met. And obviously before you were on the first podcast, Ollie, about that, that dilemma of how do you fit everyone in? Um, yeah. How do you, fit, you know, how do you fit everyone in? It's very difficult. I think you've just got to be of the opinion that whilst yes, it's, in the short term, we want to win. In the long term, the survival of the club is most important. So you've got to make sure everyone, everyone gets a go. Really, yeah. um, you know, we are playing at a lower level of cricket. Um, doesn't mean we want to win any less, um, but we have to. We have to take into account there's lots of different people. You know, we're a farm. We're a farming club as well. Um, 
at least half of the club are, are farmers and you know, we silage in time we lose a lot unless unless we're lucky that the the nice weather falls in the week and <laughs> which is sort of counterproductive to playing cricket on a saturday but mm-hmm. um at least if the weather's nice in the week they're available um for us to go and sit in a pavilion somewhere um <laughs> when allowed um so yeah it, it's i think you've just got to be for a club like us and and certainly Corfdale, um, the, the, the club, the one team clubs, you've just got to be of the opinion that you've got to mix and match. And it's always the way. One week you'll have thirteen players, next week you'll have nine. So you go from one extreme to the other. Ian, so if you're picking a team as a captain, do you do you pick the team, the players? Say you've got six players who are just going to play week in, week out. Do you just pick them and make sure they're in the team every week, or do you? And then rotate everyone else who's a bit flaky, or do you, or because you know that those six players will play in week in week out, do you kind of rotate them with the other players because you know you're guaranteed to get them next week? Kind of get the players who are interested, who you know will play once or twice a season, get them in those weeks because you know you may not get them elsewhere. James, at the start of every season, I think this is going to be the year when I have to pick a team, and every week. <laughs> By the Friday night, I never pick the team because <laughs> I'm ringing round on Friday because I've got nine players and, oh, you know, can you play? Oh, yeah, yeah, I can turn. Oh, God, thank God for that. I've got ten now. You know, I don't think, I don't, I can probably count the weeks on the thumbs of one hand where I've had <laughs> players and I have been able to actually select an 11. <laughs> And I think that perfectly answers that question. So, <laughs> <laughs> exceptional. So moving on to the final part of this topic, it's just kind of a look to the future before we move on to the next bit. What do we think are going to be the main issues for team lower division teams moving into 2021? Uh, I, th- I think just getting everybody back into the habit of playing again. You know, I think that once, once if we can have a good start to the season, a bit of good weather, and get the first three or four games under our belts, get everybody back engaged in cricket and umpiring and scoring and, and turning out week in, week out, I think that's going to be the biggest hurdle we need to get over. Once we get into the season, I think it's going to be fine. Ollie? Yeah, I, I, I can just echo Ian's words, really. Um, just getting the people back out on you know into the right the, the cricket frame of mind really um i know last year with with the way we didn't play the first half of the season there were there were two or three that early door said oh, i'm not feeling cricket this year um and then then later in the season they saw how much fun we were having enjoying it and, and they slowly trickled back so i think it's just getting them all to come back at the start and and going from there really let's hope golf doesn't start before cricket eh, boys lost a few a few cricketers to <laughs> golf Unfortunately, uh, last year, and as Ollie said earlier on, it's a real shame because it was on the crest of a wave. I mean, you know, England won the World Cup, and you know, we thought, right, we're going to have a great season here for availability because people are really keen to play cricket and do. That. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So hopefully this India series on Channel 4 might help, um, you know, to have people engaged but who knows? I think, yeah, as, as, as the guys have said, get the first few weeks in and it'll start to ramp up again, as always, with a bit of luck. Yeah, especially if England do well. That's always it's always good for popularity, isn't it? I'm, I'm, I'm still always worried, though. We can be 300 for one and I can always see a collapse going around the corner. But that's another podcast another time. <laughs> anyway, that's the league news and a bit of league chat. Let's move on to our next topic. Listener questions. Right, so we move on to section two and listener questions. We went on Facebook, we went on Twitter and Instagram, and we asked you guys and girls to ask our new hosts some questions. And this is what you came up with. So the first question comes from Richard Atherden. Uh, very sorry if I've absolutely destroyed your surname there, Richard. Uh, but it's, you, if you've listened to the podcast before, you'll know it's not the first time I've done that. His question for you guys is, I'd be interested to know what the thoughts are and what the focus should be for teams in the lower divisions. Should it be participation or end results or something else? And we'll start this one with Slats. Uh, it's a good question. Actually, um, I think, to be honest with you, it's both. You want people to participate. You want to do that. But people want to, people enjoy winning and they want to be part of winning teams. And, um, you know, getting people on the on, on the pitch and playing is, is a big part of it. And when I first started captaining Willie Seconds, I was open the bowling with the young lads. And I still do it now, um, you know, because... They get four overs at the start of an innings. The batsmen aren't set, so it's you know they've got more chance to be a bit more forgiving most of the time. So it is a bit of that, but it's also a bit of do you know what we want to win the game as well. Yeah. And you know they, they, that's how they learn to play cricket and they learn to win, but they also learn to lose as well sometimes, and that's a big thing. Um, so I think it's a bit of both, if I'm honest. Ian, yeah, I agree completely with everything Slats has said. Um, that's you heard it here first. But I think participation is the biggest thing. You know, if you can get people playing, that's perfect. Obviously, results come as well. Um, on a personal note, I think that on the issue of results for the lower leagues, we should still be playing win-lose draw and get people, you know, I'm a bit old-fashioned. I do like the, um, you know, <laughs> the way it can be played out to a draw. And I think that, you know, young people should be play cricket properly to start with. I love it, Ian. I love it. First episode in, straight in there with the win-lose draw debate. <laughs> oh, fantastic. You're, you're, you're going to feel right at home at Cow Corner, I can tell. Uh, so, 
before we go into a complete different <laughs> different zone and we talk about win lose draw which <laughs> we could talk about forever um ollie as as the person who plays in the highest division in uh, in this podcast what are your thoughts uh, again, you know, not wanting to, uh, but again, agree with Slats and Ian. Um, I th- participation is a, is a big key thing. And again, people like to win. Um, what I will say on participation is it's not just about getting people on the pitch. It's about getting them involved. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I've, I've played in games where captains have turned up and go, oh, it's all about the kids. It's all about the kids. A lot, you know, it's all about the kids. We've got a team full of kids. And then you watch him bowl 18 overs as, as they could back in the day. And it's all about the kids. Why are you bowling 18 overs? And these kids are just standing there twiddling their, twiddling their thumbs, you know, at fine leg and, and not getting involved. It's, it's, it's a participation, but also being involved in the game, whether that's two or three overs or batting... In, in the right place you know if, if you've got a team mixture of adults and, and youngsters you know mm. we, we've we've in the past when we've had the, the luxury of that sort of thing is um, adult youth adult youth mm. throughout the batting order and if the adult gets out then another adult goes in but if the child if the youth gets out then, he, then another youth goes in because they learn they learn from the adults as well so it's important mm. i was going to say this is a really interesting point this is something i was going to bring in because uh, there's going to be half of the people well let's be honest the majority of people who listen to the podcast who are going to be sat at home who are thinking well wait a minute i actually want a game of cricket myself as well i don't want to sit back there and just watch just as much as a child a child a youth player doesn't want to sit there and watch well stand there and watch a a more mature person's bowl 10 overs and bat the whole game out Uh, i'm assuming other people don't want to see the youth get all the all the opportunities as much as well. You know, it's got you got to strike a balance, have you not? Yeah, yeah no, agree, agree. It's not just about um, age; it's about ability, isn't it? It's about you know people people are new to the game. Mm. You know, you know. Obviously, we're in the middle of a village, small village, but you do get people wandering past and sort mm. of show a bit of interest. And and our our evening league team is is for that. You know, if someone shows a bit of interest, we'll put them straight in. You know, and we'll mm. put them, we'll give them an opportunity and. Um, you know, come and come and have a go, and doesn't matter. You know, don't worry about failing because it's we're <laughs> even the best of us fail a lot. So, um, yeah, not, not that every I'm saying week I'm for me. I go through a process of: Do I really want to play cricket? Why am I playing cricket? Then I'll do something good. I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. And I then the cr- process <laughs> of losing and, and doing dreadfully again. It's kind of like gambling, but like you don't win any money, kind of thing. <laughs> that kind of like you go. Well, I, I don't even gamble, but uh, I mean, like <laughs> that. I can imagine that's the kind of thing. Anyway, uh, enough away from that slat. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All I was going to say was, actually, the bowling restrictions in league cricket have made a big, big difference to that. So, you know, as a captain, you have to think, right, hang on, who are my bowlers going to be? And actually, how am I going to make that up? You know, make up that fifth bowler, maybe, or even, you know, six, seven, eight bowlers. So, um, you know, because when I started, it was, you know, 50 overs, you could bowl 25 overs and end. And as, as a kid, I started and you, fine leg to fine leg, didn't get a bowl. Mm. Batted number 11, were told not to get out. Mm. <laughs> I was going to say something that I think you've also got to, as a captain, as you guys will know, something that you've got to bear in mind as well is obviously what Ollie brought up about talent as well. You can't be putting someone out of their depth to a position where it has the opposite effect, where you give yeah. them too much of a chance, they fail hard and then get put off. 
Ian, your thoughts on that? There, There is, I agree with you about the talent, but, you know, with Corvedale, you know, there are opportunities for anybody who plays for us, you know, that they can they will be batting and they will be bowling there is there is absolutely no doubt about that and i do think because we have got such a small pool of players you know that is one of the attractions that's why people want to come and you know people who want to play for us you know know that you know they could be going in six or seven or eight but they could be in after about six overs you know they've got plenty of time to bat if they want that opportunity you know that has never been an issue yeah, batsman number five is padded up from ball one at our club. I don't know about everyone else. <laughs> uh, actually, you know what? I'm, I think I'm being a bit generous there. <laughs> but Ollie, I can see that you're kind of ready to pounce on uh, on on something. So uh, I'll pass over to you. Well, I was just going to say when Slats was talking before that um, I made a point in a meeting a couple of years ago that um, around bowling um, restrictions and was that a good batsman will only elongate a game. Yes, we don't want to see, we don't want to stand there and watch someone smack 100, 200 runs, but, you know, a better batsman will elongate a game, whereas a really good bowler is going to, is just going to reduce the length of a game. And, you know, no one wants to be going home at, at two o'clock or finishing the game at two o'clock. So I think it's, it's really important that, um, yes, it's important that everyone gets a go and the, the, obviously the better bowlers are going to bowl more, but, you know, you can have instances where one bowler will bowl or in the past would bowl one end, bowl whole match from one end, mm. uh, and they'd rotate the other end. And you know, and if they're really on, on their day and they're really good, you know, that they could they could take six or seven wickets uh, it, for, for next mm. to nothing, and, and and then the game's all but over. So it's mm. important that um, the, the the better bowlers in lo- in lower league cricket don't destroy the game. You know, in, in terms of finishing it too soon. Yeah. I think I, I've I've been very vocal on this point in many other podcasts, and if you're new to the podcast, welcome. I hate r- people being able to do that. <laughs> I think I definitely think that you should have the restrict, you know, because also, like we're saying about the participation and what you brought up, Ollie, about you know one person does one whole end and it just drags on. And also, you've got there's there's also the tactical element of it. The the captain's got to pick and choose when yeah. he's going to use his best bowler and things like that. Not not just being like, oh, he's going to do that end and we'll rotate. Anyway, Slats, sorry. No, no, I was just going to say that, yeah, it's it, it's it's a lot better now than it was. And yes, as, as lower league captains, lower league teams, certainly the second team captain, my job is to bring any young, young players on to hopefully be playing first team cricket in a few years' time and to give them that opportunity to be exposed to cricket have a balance of it so they're not out of their depth, but still be able to progress and develop their skills. So mm. they're only going to do that by playing cricket. You know, mm. you can coach and, you know, and drill as much as you want, but, you know, it's game time that makes, you know, the heat of the moment sometimes that makes that happen and mm. makes that, you know, those those people understand how the game's played. And, you know, it's not always going to be about winning. It's going to be about losing sometimes. Just on Ian's point on win-lose draw very quickly, <laughs> we play we play one day crickety, unfortunately, and time, times have moved on. This will be a whole another episode. We've yes, <laughs> in there, I can tell. 
You know, Ian, I'll write it down. I'll write it down. We'll have we'll have we'll have the Cal Corner extra uh, debate on that as well. Uh, you'll be great friends with Joss. Joss will love you. Um, anyway, <laughs> moving on to the next question. If you if you already know Joss's, he's a very popular man around the scene. I'm sure you're already know, friends. I know Joss very so, well. Yeah. He also played at Reynolds. Yes. <laughs> no longer club hopper though. Yes, I know, Mr. Loyal, as we must now call him. <laughs> Moving on to the next comment, and this is a bit of an interesting one, and as we mentioned off-air, uh, one that I've got to tread carefully on as I'm like a registered member of the ACO, and as much stick as I get in the various cricketing WhatsApp I'm in, I'm actually somehow uh, a qualified umpire. <laughs> So, Matthew Hartshorn of Ponsbury Cricket... Oh, no, not Ponsbury Cricket Club. Matthew Hartshorn of Coons Cricket Club. Very sorry. Congratulations on your new move, Matthew. He says, when players are umpiring, uh, how much cheating do you think goes on? Now, I have my opinion. (laughs) I will send it around the group again. And we'll start off with the non-committee member again. (laughs) And then, and then we'll go to everyone else, and I'll, I'll say my piece as an umpire. <laughs> Ian, I um, I think umpires do the best job they can, you know, and um, I'm very happy with the standard of umpiring uh, on down the divisions. What what I don't like is when teams perhaps don't bring an umpire. Mm. and then have a go when you've got somebody standing at square leg, you know, who isn't qualified and with all the rules uh, because they are intricate. And when they start having a go over a run out or something that, that has been missed, you know, I, I'm not a fan of that at all. But, uh, you know, I think if you've, if you've got a team who's got an umpire, fair play, you know, you've done the course. I'm very happy with that as a captain. So yeah, talking about players umpiring, uh, do we think that it? Do we think it's just a myth, or do we think there's some truth in it? Uh, we'll go with Ollie. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I've it... really, I've really dropped you in it with that question. <laughs> but go on, carry on. Um, <laughs> I, I, th- I think it, I think sometimes it's harder for uh, for players standing at square leg because they're not really they're doing it because it's their turn most of the time, mm-hmm. or they've been forced to go out there, or they're not padded up. If you've got half the team padded up, <laughs> so, <laughs> or you're out over one, <laughs> yeah. So um, I think I think it's very difficult because sometimes they're not interested, or they're on the phone, or they're not really paying attention, or sometimes they don't know the rules. They don't really know what they're meant to be stood there for. Um, so there is always an element of oh, it's my mate. I'm not going to give him out, if, even if he was a yard out and, and that sort of thing. So it, I I would say that no one can say that they've never come across a situation where they think mm, I think that was out but it, it's not been given out I think we've all had a scenario where you would disagree with with a, 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 play, a playing square leg mm. um, but it's a difficult it's a difficult job someone's got to be stood there um, mm. and uh, we're not all lucky enough to have two standard umpires mm. uh, those games those rare occasions when it does happen are fantastic <laughs> um, I, mean, I mean, I come from a club where we're very lucky, and we've got a gentleman called Mark Rowe who who, who stands most weeks for us. Um, I think he's got a bit of a unfortunate reputation. However, I will say that 
over the course of a season, he gives a lot more bad decisions against us as a club than he does for the opposition. <laughs> he, he wants to ban LBW. He, he hates the LBW rule because every time he, he says, every time I put my finger up for an LBW, people will accuse me of being a cheat. Oh, 100%. I, I exactly know where he's coming from very, very well. No batsman ever thinks they're out. Rule number one of umpiring. I've, I've seen players middle it to first slip and claim that they've never touched it. I've seen players as plum as and walk off and calling me every name under the sun and carry on in the pavilion. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it, I think it's a hard thing because I think when there's umpires at other ends, when they make a dodgy decision, you just say, oh, it's, it's just a dodgy decision. It's not a very good decision. Or when it's the other team's umpire, it's deemed as cheating. Whereas sometimes I think a lot, like you've mentioned, it's just poor decision making. What, what are your thoughts, Lats? I think, look, we've all played the game long enough to know that we've probably all been on the end of a rough decision at some point, and we may have benefited from a, a wrong decision at some point, whether we're a bowler or whether we're a batsman. I think, you know, as, as Ollie said, the game doesn't happen without them. Mm. So, you know, we have to... I'm, look, I, I've done the course, and, I, you know, when I got injured and I umpired for our firsts, um, I was probably harder on our lot than I was on... You know mm. uh, the opposing team, yeah. Because I didn't want to be seen as a cheat, perhaps. Yeah. Maybe you know. Um, look, it's it's one of those things we all have to do, and you know, again, that's the captain's responsibility. That whoever they're sending out to umpire mm. has a grasp of what they should be doing and yes. what the rules are and everything else. There's no point in sending a, a young lad out who doesn't know anything and is going to get caught up in something they don't want to be caught up in. Mm. But it's always amazing how many people want to score when it's their turn to umpire. Yes, but I mean, yeah, what, look, it's 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 one of those things you, you'll you'll you could talk forever about this, mm. you know, in terms of what's happened and what doesn't happen. You know, it's 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 part of the game. It's part of the um, having a chat over a beer afterwards about that decision, this decision. That's what makes it what it is. So I think I don't think anybody goes out there to yeah. to cheat anybody. I think it's it's you know people make mistakes. You'd like to think that they even themselves out throughout the season, yeah. wouldn't you, as well, I think. Moving on to our next question from Alex Biddle. It's kind of it's going to touch on kind of where we're going into the next question. He wants to know, who are your players to watch in each division? So just a name, a, a player or a couple of players may not be from your team, from any other division. And uh, I think we'll start this one with Ollie. Um. It's very it's very difficult having not seen a lot of the clubs um, last year, particularly. Um, the we, we played in the regional division with Reynold, Whitchurch, who are obviously Division 5 this year, um, Kai Glass, ourselves, and Fens Bank. A lot of the teams in this division have got some fantastic players. Um, you know, Reynolds had Johnny Evans. Is it Johnny Evans? Jonathan Evans, who, who skippered for yeah. them last year. And he's come on a, a lot from from having seen him in the, in the previous years. He's a fantastic player, um, very very quick bowler and, and a good batsman as well. A good, great all rounder. Um, so I think he's potentially one to watch going forward. Uh, yeah, that, again, that's a difficult one for Division Six because there's teams in there that I've not played against for a wee while. Um, names that always stand out for Harcourt if if he's available and his availability is always a, a bit of a tricky one is uh, Richard Jarrett. 
you know, he can be a, a destructive player, disruptive batsman on his day. It's just getting him on the park, unfortunately, because I know he's got a, a, a busy life and a busy job. For Lillishaw, Simon Millington, again, can take you apart, left-hand bat. Um, you know, hits it very hard. And makes a lot of runs in that sense. Um, and then, you know, in other clubs, Ponsbury always have a couple of a couple of decent players in there. Got a young lad coming through. Um, oh, it's David's son. I can't remember his name now. Young lad coming through. I think he might be playing first team now, possibly. But um, And then, again, it depends what Shrewsbury Thirds put out in terms of players, in terms of who's available for their seconds and their firsts. And Ian? Well, uh, I'm afraid I'm going to have to sit on the fence for this one, James, because we didn't we didn't take part much in the league last year, uh, in in the in the regional, and um, it's been a couple of years. There's several teams in our division which I have uh, haven't seen play for a long time. So um, I could just mention one of my own, perhaps, and uh, I think Ross Ant will be a good watch this year. You know, we've gone um, we've gone down, and he's a little bit older, a little bit wiser. And uh, I think he's going to be in the runs and the wickets this year. Fantastic. That's exactly what the people want to hear. And everyone knows who my picks are because I say them on every podcast. So I won't bore you with much more. Let's move ourselves on to the next question. And a couple fun ones to end before we move on to the next section. The first one is from Matthew Weddercop. And he asks, Archi Glass, the thinking men's cricket club. Well, now that Keith Yap's left, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what worries me is, is people that people played at Kai Glass when I started playing for Harcourt as a, as a very young lad they were still playing now and they were old boys then <laughs> Ian <laughs> I, I, I haven't played at Kai Glass for several years so I don't want to upset anybody there I, I couldn't possibly comment very good friends with a lot of Kai Glass and the old Gattaca Gary Davis, one of the star players for Kai Glass. Ollie? Yeah, I have a lot of laughs with Gary. You know, there's one reason or another. We, we, obviously, we've again, we've played against Gary for, for over the last few years, and he's always the one that either we're laughing at or with for, for one reason or another. Um, lo- lovely guy, but, you know, he, he's, a, he's, a, he's a larger-than-life character. Uh, and obviously, Nick Broadbent, um, he's uh, a stalwart of that club. Um, despite the little gap in the middle when he went to Fens Bank. Um, but again, lovely guy. Have, <laughs> I've seen one or two tantrums from him over over the years. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know whether the thinking man's club he lo- does love a chat <laughs> and uh, intellectual conversation, Nick. So, and, and the final one that we'll finish with, um, it pretty much brings up what we've said. And it's from someone who plays for Kinlet, Danny Bishop. He says, so the question is, am I playing with a cricket legend? He then followed it up with a second question, which is, I play on a Sunday for Kinlet with Keith Yap. And he always gets a mention on every podcast. Is he a legend of cricket? So uh, Obviously, he's a legend then. If he's mentioned every podcast, <laughs> who, who doesn't know Keith Yap? Who doesn't <laughs> know of. Keith Yap? Well, Funnily enough, the, I, I mentioned earlier on my first game of cricket was against um, Grasshoppers, and uh, there were he, he was he was a member of that team, Keith Yap. So my first game of cricket was against Keith Yap. Fifty-one retired, not out. I've just checked. I've just looked. So uh, <laughs> my, my first experience of Keith Yap was uh, 
an annoying one watching him score lots of runs. But other names to, me- to mention from that game: Joe Yap, and, uh, yeah. Dave Ballinger was in that team, Dave Parry. So yeah, a few of the names that we hear on the podcast every now and again. He is a legend. Okay, um, not least, I, I remember being at a test match um, at Edgbaston against Pakistan, and I saw him in the stand about 25 rows behind me. So I phoned him, and he got this, what I can only describe as a Miami Vice suit on. (laughs) I rang him, I rang him, him and I said, uh, what time does the safari start? (laughs) And he went, because I could see him looking around, thinking, where the hell's he? I love love playing Keith the Bits. He's been a a magnificent for the Wheatland Indoor Cricket League, kept that going for many a year, and hey, just loves his cricket, so it's all good in my book. Keith Yap, Shropshire Cricketing Legend, confirmed. And now we'll move on to the next section, and we ran out of H's, unfortunately, so it's going to be Hurl's Hierarchy! Right, so you know the drill. It's Hill's Hierarchy. Just like on the other shows, we're now going to pick the top teams in each of the five divisions. Well, in each of the four divisions we cover in Shropshire Cricket. And we're going to be starting off with Division 5. That's me. I've just realised that I said it. Division 5, caught myself, I've got it. So, Division 5, a really fantastic uh, division over the last few years and was a really tight one in 2019, if you minus the four teams who ran away with the division. So, it's been a really tough one for me to pick and I'm just going to have to pick where I think they'll turn on from what I've heard, from what I've seen, what I've seen in the last few seasons. Obviously, there are only 11 teams, so we thought it'd be harsh to do a 10. So I've actually copped out and I've done nine. So um, finishing joint eight, (laughs) because I wasn't sure which one to pick. I've gone for Beacon and Gillsfield. Now, interesting one, because I think Gillsfield will do really well. That's my first point in that one. And the other one is Beacon joint eighth which you might find is a bit of a surprise because of the fact that they finished sixth in 2009 which in theory is the second best team left out of the division five clubs the only reason i'm saying that is because i know that the first 11 have lost a few players and i know that there's potentially a few more who may be leaving so because of that how will that affect the second team will they lose a lot of players you know they've lost other big players who are integral to the club who may be going on elsewhere how will that affect them as a club they've got really good youth and they've got really good players so i wouldn't be surprised if you do find them challenging around the top though newtown i've gone in at seventh um had a decent start in in division five in 2019 but again it's one of these teams that if they have a few players who've moved down from the first 11 can win any game that they want you know they get a few players run a game they can score the runs take the wickets win the games again 
wouldn't be surprised to see them higher up. Again, in at six, I've gone Wellington, fourth 11. Wellington are always a side that are going to do well. They've got lots of strength in depth. They've got lots of players. And again, it's all about how the youth are developing, how well they do. But again, it's about availability, who's in the side. And you never quite know, but they're always going to be a team that are going to be there and thereabouts. Much Wenlock in at five. Now, Much Wenlock, I think they've got a few good batsmen and they've got some really good bowlers. Obviously, didn't see much of them last season, so I don't really know too much about them. And they're obviously a side that aren't too vocal on social media, so I don't really know too much about what's gone in and out. But I really like what I saw from them the season before. Really good opening bowlers, really good opening pair, really good couple of batsmen. They can keep them and they can improve on that. I think they're in with a real chance of pushing for the promotional spots. In at four, I've gone for knocking second 11. Now, it's well publicized that knocking Saturday teams has struggled to get availability compared to their Sundays, but they are a very, very strong side. Another team who do really well. And also, if their first 11 are sharing players with them, they've got enough talent in there to really challenge. And I think, really, this top four are very, very close together. In at three, I've gone for Column. I think they've got a few really standout players, and I think the gap between division, the top of Division 6 and kind of middle to bottom of Division 5, there isn't that much of a difference. And I really think that Column are going to make a good push, and I know for a fact that they've got a few really good standout players who could win some games for them and really make a difference. In at two, I've gone for Alberbury second eleven mainly because they uh, finished fifth in the season before. This is not me being a complete homer. Um, I think they've got a really strong side, and I think you know everything in the club is pointing towards wanting to put, go for that promotion, and I think that is the main target for them. And I think they'll be a very hard team to beat, especially if they get the availability that they need. And if their batsmen score runs, which is the main thing at Alberbury. And in at one, I've gone for Witcher second 11. Now, again, this is another one that may surprise a few people as, as they were the second from bottom team in 2019. But I know for a fact that Witcher want their second 11 to get close to their first 11. So they will be mixing the teams up so that their second 11 can move up the league. And we know for a fact... If you're going to have players who are a premier standard playing in that second 11, especially for Division 5, there's going to be some no contests in that. And even the weeks when they can't get those players out onto the pitch, I still don't think they're going to give a good go of it. And we always know that Whitchurch do well in recruitment. So there are my picks. Like we said in the other podcast, these things will change throughout the season. We are going to come back to them and we are going to jiggle, have a little bit of a change and admit that we made a few mistakes. <laughs> really sorry if I haven't mentioned your team. I've realized now that I've mentioned one team that aren't in, a couple teams who aren't in there who should be higher up. But hey-ho, I'll take that on the chin. Send all your complaints to Ian Slater at hotmail.co.uk. <laughs> I'll take his personal <laughs> But yeah, I'm I'm really hoping that Willie and Church Stretton, I've just realised that I've missed out, um, do where I actually think they're going to do and not where I've just put them in the list. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> let's move on to the next division and we're going to go for Ian with Division 7. Uh, right, thank you for the poison chalice. Um, <laughs> I... <laughs> 
obviously we didn't take part last year so this is a bit just looking back through um the year before's games um i've picked 10 out of the league of 16 so there are six names that i won't be mentioning so at 10 i got lillishaw thirds at nine i've got all brighton seconds at eight i've got condover seconds at seven i've got quad thirds at six i got Chirk seconds and then uh, on the top five, these are some teams that we have played a little bit more a bit recently. Um, so uh, five, I've got Beacon thirds. At four, I've got Hinstock. Obviously, I think they're going to do quite well. Um, three, I've got Ludlow thirds. Um, they've had a few years where they've been, you know, like sleeping a bit. And I think this year is going to be Ludlow's year higher up. I think they're going to have quite a few young lads. We played them uh, in a friendly game last year. They got some good young talent coming through. Second, um, all Scott thirds. And um, I'm actually going to channel my inner Glenn McGrath here because number one, I've got Corvdale. Hey, um, that's what we like. Confidence, back yourself. Team two, uh, I am back in my lads. Um, you know, I, I think we're going to have a good year down in Division 7 and I'm really looking forward to it. So thank you very much indeed. Slats is sat there thinking, I wish I had Division 5. Anyway, Alberbury <laughs> <laughs> no, no, in at 12, uh, 11, <laughs> 13. <laughs> 13. <laughs> anyway, talking of Slats, the man himself, let's go for you, Division 6. Yeah, thank you. Um, Division 6 is going to be a challenging one because certainly in 2019, any team on their day could beat any team in that division. Um, and nobody really ran away with it. Um, so it was tough at the top and, you know, it was all the way through. So it's it's a, a very competitive league, put it that way. Um, so I've gone with, all right, I've gone with nine as well. So I've gone, I've gone with the joint eighth, if that's okay. Um, so at joint eighth, I've got uh, Coton Hall. Who came up from division? Um, I haven't played against Coton Hall for years and years and years, so a bit of an unknown quantity to me. But I think they're still finding their way as they're moving up the divisions. So I think they'll have a steady, a steady uh, year. Uh, joint eighth with them is Harcourt. Again, on their day, if they've got Ricky Jarrett in the side and they've got a young lad called Sam Davis who's coming through, uh, they can be a really, really strong side. But um, it's getting eleven on the park that always seems to be a bit of a struggle for. For Harcourt, which is sad for me because I started playing there. Um, <laughs> in seventh spot, I've got Bomer Heath seconds, and Paul Bolland will probably be gnashing his gums right now as I've said that. But Bomer Heath seconds tend to sort of be strong in parts and then very weak in other parts. It depends on their first team again and what they've got available, um, which is obviously any second team captain's worry. Um, so I think they'll sort of, you know, mid table mediocrity, if that's okay. Um, in sixth, I've got Pontsbury, second 11. Um, again, they can be fantastic on their day, but they can also you know, struggle to get players out as well. So, again, potentially mid-table. Um, in fifth, I've got Kung, second 11. Did well last year, um, but at times they struggle. Now, they may be much stronger this year because, they obviously, they've recruited for their first team, but they've also lost players from their first team as well. So, Jack Case has gone somewhere I think um, but they've got Joe Yap back in and, and people like that so who knows um, in fourth spot I've gone for the dark horses of Van Idlois because you know Watch don't out. forget they were playing division division three the hipster's choice 
Yeah, well, you know, it, it's just one of those things. I think if they got the players back, then potentially they could they could be very strong. Um, in third spot, I've gone for a bit of a bit of an outsider here, but Lillishaw seconds. I think again they've got some players in there who can, you know, Simon Middleton, as I said before, hits the ball very hard, but they've got mm. some good youngsters coming through. Steve Bate never gives you anything with the ball if he's still trundling in, bless him. Um, so, you know, I think they, they could be up there challenging. Top two, then, I've gone for, in second, Shrewsbury thirds, on the basis that they will have a strong second team and therefore will have a good availability for their third team and be very strong for that. It might not happen. It was fits and starts last year, but they certainly pushed us all the way last year. Um, and... Top spot. I've put Montgomery in at top spot. I think uh, I think they'll they'll bounce back up again. They've got a good bunch of youngsters there and a good setup. So um, yeah, I think they'll bounce back up pretty quickly. Mm. Love a day at Monty as well. So I'd be well keen for them to go back up. And finally, the top division for the podcast, Division Four, with Ollie Griffiths. Okay, so. Um... Not been looking forward to this, um, as I'm bound to upset people and people are bound to disagree with me, um, but it's only my opinion uh, and it's probably wrong. So I've started with Kai Glass in 10th place. Equally, Kai Glass could finish mid-table. They've got some great players there. Historically, over the last few years, they've always been more towards the bottom end of the division. In ninth place, I've gone with Brosley. Did have them a lot higher, but obviously they've lost a couple of players, quite high-profile high players, So, um, and they did come up last year, uh, sorry, 2019, so I've got them in ninth. In eighth place, I've got Condover. Again, I don't know a lot about Condover. Again, were promoted in 2019. In seventh place, I've got Hodnett and Peplow. Um, they, they obviously had a very good season last year and won their mini-division. Uh, having been relegated in 2019 from Division 3. However, I do think they were playing some clubs that were of a, of a lower standard. I know they, I know Coton Hall were in their division last year and they'd previously been in Division 7 the year before. So I know they've strengthened um, and I'd be happy for them to prove me wrong. Uh, in sixth place, I've got Bishop's Castle. Good good team. Uh, nice, nice away trip. Fantastic views, as as proved by the as podcast. As by the, yeah, the, <laughs> the, the listeners and the many followers. Well, I say many followers, the few followers that we got, eh? And a few ex-internationals as well, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Darren Goff. We had a few darts people as well. It was, yeah, it was, we had a TMS uh, commentator. Anyway, enough about that. We've heard <laughs> enough about that stuff. Carry on. <laughs> um, so I've got them in sixth place. Um, again, w- with most teams in this division... In 2019, taking out the top three of Chelmarsh, Wheaton, Aston and Maidley, any team could be any team, uh, mm. like Slatson said for, for the division before. Um, so I've got them in sixth place. In fifth place, I have put Calverhall. I've just gone with an average of our finishing positions over the last three years, comfortably mid-table. <laughs> um, and because I've put us at five, I've had to put Fens at four because they're our local uh, Derby Day team. And I think most seasons over the last few years, we've finished one position apart. So I had to put them in next. Uh, in third place, I've put Reynolds. Had a fantastic season last year and walked the division. They only lost one match. Uh, Cowboy Hall. Um, 
Yeah. So, um, but to think, I think to be fair, they'd already won the division, and I think they were. It was a, it was a title hangover, but uh, we we did beat them. But again, a very good team. We've got some great players, and I think they will only be stronger for the fact that they don't have two teams. They won't be stronger as a club, obviously, it's a shame. But as a first team, they should be stronger because they should be able to put 11 players out every week as opposed to trying to balance between the two the two sides. In second place, I've gone with Trisol. Didn't play them in the 2019 season myself um, for a variety of reasons. Uh, but I believe they are a good side, and they have strengthened and, and had a few players out of out of sort of uh, Wolverhampton way and, and, and that played way, I think. Against, yeah, played against them last year in the in the regional and they were very strong. They had some good batsmen. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's there's always been a good a good core to that side but and I believe they've strengthened, so that's great. And and in first place, I've gone with Quat. They walked, they won their mini division last year um, and obviously were uh, unfortunate to be relegated in the season before. Um, so I think they, they'll, they'll, they'll be the team to beat in uh, twenty in this coming season, and that'll be music to the ears for all the quad listeners who listen to us, and always uh, ask where they think their their second eleven will be. Because I mean, it was a bone of contention for a lot of quad players, but a, a similar theme across all of our divisions, where we're basically saying that every every team is very much similar, which I think is a good thing moving forward into twenty twenty one, where it could be you know any team could end up as 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 a winner and any team who we think could, could win it could end up towards the bottom, I think is a, well, it's a very good thing. And once again, I must say as a disclaimer, I'm very sorry to church Stretton and uh, Willie, who I just realized, uh, completely <laughs> forgot about, but yeah, I would have remembered. I'd have, I'd have, I'd have definitely put you guys. Higher. But anyway, that, um, that's me digging a grave and, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's last. We'll we're pretty wrong for the season, mate. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get so much chat when I get to the crease in the season it's going to be so fun I'm going to love it anyway let's move ourselves on to the next subject okay so moving on to topic number four and this is a bit of a fun one really uh, getting ourselves towards the end before we get on to the last section I've asked each host to make one resolution and one prediction for 2021 so Starting with Ian, what's your resolution and what's your prediction going into 2021? Oh, personally, I was going to eat less and drink less. My prediction is I shall probably eat more and drink more. <laughs> <laughs> on, I the, on that one. Field, my resolution is that, you know, we, as a team, Corvdale compete more this year. Mm. You know, we've had a couple of years... Uh, in the doldrums at the bottom of divisions and um, you know I really think going down in 2019 was a bit of a wake-up call mm. we were just a bit unlucky at the end of the season to be relegated when there was a bit of uh, upheaval over who was going up and how many were coming up and going down so um, yeah that's uh, that that is my uh, resolution that we we actually try and compete more and uh, the prediction, as I've said before, just watch this space. You know, I think we're going to have a good year. Ollie. Okay, so my New Year's resolution or resolution was to not do anything extra cricket related. My prediction is that I've already failed because I'm now on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, it's loosely cricket themed, eh? <laughs> loosely cricket based podcast, yeah. <laughs> um, 
I think I've stolen that from somewhere else, but we won't, we won't, yeah. we won't mention it. Um, but the, my prediction for the season, the cricket season 2021, is that we are finally going to get back to a, a more proper season in terms of cricket. Um, hopefully, be able to use the pavilions again, um, and hopefully get a full season or as close to a full season of cricket as we as we possibly can. Obviously, be, trying to be as positive as we possibly can. Yeah, I like that slats. Right, okay, well, um, my resolution is to drop at least one dress size before the season starts, if not two. (laughs) (laughs) Having having wintered far too well through COVID. Um, (laughs) And uh, my prediction is that uh, everything I said about Division 6 in the Hurley's hierarchy are probably wrong in terms of that. Um, However, I have hastily written out a new... Um, resolution and prediction it's in one effectively which is yeah. prove Hurley wrong after leaving us out of his top 10 yes that's what I like to hear positivity um, not, we'll not, not that, hate then. mail <laughs> not hate mail oh I'm going to cop some stuff uh, yeah so my resolution is to try and annoy less clubs which I know is an impossible <laughs> thing to do running a podcast after a good start we have to give an opinion and my prediction is my my division five prediction is going to be way 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 off but yeah uh <laughs> i think everyone else already knows that but anyway i think uh we'll move ourselves on to the final section we move ourselves on to our final section and what i think has been a fantastic first ever episode and i really hope you at home or wherever you are listening have enjoyed it as well and have enjoyed the first episode if you have any suggestions for what you want us to talk about or any topics that you think or anything that you think are wrong like james's division five predictions (laughs) feel free to feel free to let us know i mean i get it all the time so i'm totally fine with it now um but yeah anything that you want us to bring up any topics any main things or you know just even if you say that you like the podcast that's really nice because we don't really get too much positive praise anymore (laughs) but yeah um yeah it's i hope you've really enjoyed it and i hope you really like the new hosts and yeah really well done guys uh have you found your first podcast fun yeah lots of fun Bit, bit nervous to be honest with you. You know me; I'm not much of a talker, so. <laughs> and I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it. I think uh, it's good to uh, talk about the divisions that sometimes don't get talked about enough. So uh, that'll be good through the through the uh, through the season, hopefully. Um, and uh, yeah, let's uh, go on from there. Yeah, again the same. Um, re- really, really enjoyed it. Had some good laughs. Um, some stuff that probably won't make the cut, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's all. That's always, always, always the best stuff. The best yeah. stuff never makes the cut. That's always the problem. Yeah, um, but yeah, no. I was again. I was quite nervous before we got going. Um, specifically, coming into a podcast where we've not had any cricket for for a number of months, and, yes. and it does. You know, we, we are sort of very in the lower leagues. There's a lot less happening in the in the close in the closed season, so um, we don't have all the transfer rumours and and this is happening, that's happening. So it's been nice to talk cricket again, and um, long may it continue. I think we've probably come up with some ideas for some new bat stickers as well. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> have. <laughs> have you have you? What's on the 
<laughs> not on the committee. On the committee. Have you bought Ian's book? <laughs> I, I like what you're saying, though, Ollie. We're we're proper. We're not about these rumours, the transfer news. We're about proper cricket. What's going on? We're the we're the working man's cricket podcast. Oh, yeah, oh, it is kind of Mr. Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> and Ian, and uh, try not to promote your pop book too much. Uh, no, no, no. I've done enough of that. I'll save that. <laughs> I'll save all my best one liners for the next podcast. Um, <laughs> a chapter every week. Chapter every week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> every yeah. podcast, even chapter every podcast. <laughs> um, it is just nice to be talking about cricket again, and you know, having the positive of. The sort of the bigger picture with the, the the vaccines coming out there, there is real hope this year that we can have, you know, the best part of a full season of cricket. And like I say, get everybody back playing. And, um, you know, we've all got that to look forward to. Fantastic. And I can, can agree with, with you more. And what a way to end the podcast. As always, feel free to like, share and subscribe the podcast. If you could obviously rate the podcast as well or comment, that would be really good. And why not share it in your WhatsApp group? And especially those of you who play in these divisions, share share it about. Say, we finally have a podcast. They're talking about us. They're not wittering on about the Premier Division for two hours and then giving a few minutes. Yeah, please get it around. We are on Spotify. You can find us on SoundCloud. And you can also find us on Apple Podcast. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Give us a follow. Help promote there are new bat stickers and merch coming out for 2021 we also will have an update on the cow corner golf day uh depending again on what's going on around in the world well in the uk in regards to covid uh we are hoping still to get it going and moving forward but yeah i think all that leaves me to say is thank you very much guys and i'm very much looking forward to the next one so thank you very much ian thank you very much indeed thank you very much ollie cheers james Thank you very much, Slats. Cheers, James. Thanks, guys. And thank you once again for listening. This has been another episode of the Cow Corner Podcast, and we'll see you on the next episode. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
market. Treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their Golden Glow body set includes three clinically proven bestsellers for smooth, glowing skin. While the Glow and Go facial set provides spa-level results at home. Both sets come in giftable boxes with savings up to $48 and free shipping for a limited time. For 10% off your first order site-wide, go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM.